Do you ever struggle with your fuzzy brain? I do. Welcome to the Uncluttered Office Podcast. Here I share what I've learned from my struggles with chemo brain and executive functioning disorder. I'm your host, Katherine Avery. I'm a former Wall Streeter, now entrepreneur, with 20 years of experience in business and office design. I'm a badass cancer survivor and thriver, mom of a teen, a wife, and a lifelong learner. I've discovered that whether we lose our keys, misplace our files, or constantly forget important appointments, we can learn to be more productive. We can design a work and home life that is simpler, easier, and much more manageable. Listen in and learn how to create a plan to streamline your space and your systems so you can be more focused and organized. Hey everyone, Katherine Avery of ProductivityByDesign.com and your host of the Uncluttered Office Podcast. Today, I have Lori Hoffer with me. She is an amazing longtime friend and colleague, a body-mind coach and licensed massage therapist. Lori has been helping people awaken to and understand the language of their body for over 20 years. She uses intentional conversation and embodiment techniques to help you wake up the body-brain connection so you can ditch physical pain and stress patterns give your overthinking brain a rest, tap into your heart and embrace what it's been aching to tell you while your head was dominating the conversation. She's passionate about human connection and consent. I can attest to this. Has a wicked sense of humor, loves straight talk and curses a lot. Yeah, can attest to all that too. So psyched (laughs) you're here, Laurie. How are you? I'm good. How are you this morning, Catherine? Great. Thanks. Very, very psyched you're here. So we met through an online networking group, I don't know, four or five years ago. Does that sound about right? Approximately. About four. Yeah, probably about four. Feels longer. Sometimes we have friends who walk into our lives and you say, "Ah, I could have known that person my whole life. Maybe Uh, we have. Who knows? (laughs) Possible. Maybe another life. Uh, We share the same crazy sense of humor, so if you have sensitive ears, you'll need to know that this episode might be a little more off-color than I'm usually uh, having in our process, and um, we're going to be talking about our bodies, which, you know, leaves plenty of room for some fun and sense of humor. So let's start with that. One of my favorite sayings of yours is, take care of your body and it will take care of you. I'm a cancer survivor, and I work out nearly every day. I eat right, meditate, etc. use a melt ball and roller, and that's good for anybody who's in life, let alone just survivors. How do you see people being able to take care of their bodies and incorporate massage into their well-being routine? I am a huge fan of massage in general, clearly. I actually had my first massage when I was 13. Because my body was growing so fast, I ended up with low back pain. Mm. And my mom took me to her back doctor. And what it turned out was my, essentially, my bones were growing faster than my muscles could keep up with. My hamstrings were super tight. It was pulling through my glutes slash Mm. rear end and manifesting as pain in my low back. Mm. And that was honestly sort of like my first big aha moment in the world about how interconnected the body is and how important it is that we understand our body so that we can react to it 
and that we have tools to do that. So in regards to massage for well-being or really anything for well-being, I'm a big believer in going to get massages if that's something you can do, but we can also use self-massage. We can do partner massage. I teach private couples massage classes with clients who come in. We work for three hours in tandem, literally learning whatever they want to learn. And also, I'm a huge advocate of massage for kids, starting at a very young age for multiple reasons, involving um, or including the idea that understanding your body from a young age, knowledge is power, right? Schoolhouse rock, knowledge is power. (laughs) And it also provides kids with this baseline understanding that human touch, which we all crave and is part of our well-being, does not have to equal sex. And very often in our U.S. society, that is the mentality that we end up having. We think that we feel like we're craving sex, some sort of sexual contact, and the underlying is we're craving touch, but because we're not put into situations a lot of the time where we just have, you know, healthy, loving touch at its baseline, you know, there's this sort of going after some sort of sexual interaction. So I'm a huge Mm. believer in teaching kids at a really early age to understand their body and that sort of consent piece that goes along with it as well. Last March, we went to Portugal, Spain, and France. And the two places we stayed in Portugal and Spain both had a wellness center Mm-hmm. And you could get massages and use the hot tub, et cetera. And it, they had times of day you could take your kids under the age of 16. And it was over the age of X, I'm going to say nine, and under the age of 16. And my daughter loves that whole idea of spas and massage, et cetera. So I made sure that one of the things we did, I sent my husband off to play some golf because we happened to be near a golf course in Portugal, was <laughs> to get a mother-daughter massage together. I'm a little bit of an overprotective mom. And so I was insistent that we had women masseuse as Massage therapists. Massage therapists. Good. Mm -hmm. I like that better. They were both uh, women and I was in the room with her, which was great. Mm -hmm. They insisted on that actually, which was wonderful. And she really loved it. It was really great for her to have that experience. And I'm hoping that locally there'll be other places we could do that uh, here in the state. Yeah. I went back a year or so ago and actually got certified in pediatric massage as well. It's something I've long done and been interested in, but I wanted sort of that next piece. And you're right. I leave it up to, I always, I let everybody know they are welcome to be there. My 16-year-olds who come in don't generally want their parent in the room, you know, and that's (laughs) fine. I leave it up to, I'm a huge believer in ownership of your own body and as well teaching children that at a very young age And this is another component of that piece as well, right? Like you own your body, you get to make the decisions about it. You know, your biggest job whenever you go in for any massage session for anybody is to speak up, right? Your two main jobs are to speak up, say what you need, say what you like, say what you don't, and to not help. Neither of which are super easy for a lot of people. Right. So... My whole goal is to create this safe space 
where people can come in and really practice this communication skill. It's something that I talk about a lot when I do my couples massage training too. It's actually one of the main things we focus on, right? Like, is this piece that is communication? Oh, absolutely. And I've, I've, as you know, I've raised my daughter to own her body and to make her own decisions about her body. And to this point now, it's very funny. We'll go to a doctor's office and we'll get there and I'll say, okay, want me in the room or not? And she looks at me and says, oh, you know, honey, you're getting to that age where you might not want me in the room. Yeah. So now she's almost 15. My daughter. It's almost 15. You know, you might have questions of the doctor. And if you want me to leave, I will. And the doctors always are kind of surprised by it. Um, I recently took her to my own OBGYN because it was going to be months to get into a pediatric, uh, not Mm -hmm. OB, obviously she doesn't need that, but a pediatric GYN just for literally a baseline meet and greet. Nothing Uh else, no exam, no anything. She was kind of like, no, I'm not going. And I'm like, oh, no, no, no. It's a conversation. It's literally just so you get a chance to meet this person so that when the day comes that you have a question that you may not want to ask mom, you've got a resource. You know, that is so funny. At my last checkup with my midwife, I see a midwife. My daughter wanted to come with me. I said, absolutely. She came with me. She came into the room. Literally, you know, like my midwife, you know. She had me open. She's checking out the inside. And she said to my daughter, who clearly was very interested, do you want to see? And she's like, yeah. Wow, cool. (laughs) So so here we were, but it takes all the sort of fear and worry. Like my daughter loves the human body anyway. She's fascinated by it. Right. And so like it was just so normal to her, right? I didn't care. I'm like, yeah, that's fine. Right. So there was no sort of none of this kind of shame or embarrassment around it. It's simply like, do you want to see what this looks like inside? Yes. All right, here we go. And so this sets her up for when it's time for her to start going herself to, you know, OB midwife, whatever she chooses, right? Like there's already this baseline sort of understanding of expectation, what even happens in the appointment. You're so right. It's such an important piece that I think often gets left out for kids. Oh, no question. I agree with you on that. And then there's the whole mind-body connection, which is really where your focus is shifting now. I don't know if that'll be something you're also doing with kids or if you'll only be doing it with adults, but I'd love to hear about it. And the reason is twofold. One, I had a client who was a psychotherapist who had a gym and I found it fascinating. And I said, why do you have a gym in your psychotherapy office? And he said, I find, and he said, this especially with men, that when they're working out, they start to open up and talk about things. And he's like, I believe in fitness and I believe in the mind-body connection. So he did this. So it wasn't a huge surprise to me when you said this was your interest. The second piece from my personal perspective is is I um, had been dealing with a lot of different emotions, had been in psychotherapy for many, many years, and got to a stopping point where I said to him, I have nothing else left to talk about, but I still have anger. And Mm -hmm. I stumbled upon a book called Waking the Tiger, which was all about somato-emotional release, which is doing body work to release trapped trauma in the cells, and then you feel better. Well, what we found and it was fascinating to me, was my left leg was completely stiff and Mm -hmm. getting it to open up was brutal. And and I hadn't ever paid attention to this before, but I have plantar fasciitis in my left foot. 
-hmm. I was driving through life, true story, in a car. And when I would be driving, I'd be using my right foot on the pedals, right? Mm -hmm. My left foot would be shoving against the wall of the car. Not the wall, but you know, the part where you rest your foot, the foot rest. Mine wasn't resting. It was shoving like I was constantly pushing the brake while trying to go forward. Oh, my God. What a wake-up moment that must have been. Right? It was crazy. Or if you ever, I don't know if you ever learned to drive stick shift, but if that's where the clutch was for people, right? Like literally, that's the pedal for change. Right. Right? And I was just stuck. That's stuck. Yeah. Right? Right? Like stuck in this. Look how our bodies show us what's happening in our lives. And so here I was stuck. I went to the somatomotion release, did 10 sessions of it. And after 10 sessions, my leg was loose and I would use the foot rest to rest my foot. It didn't have to be clutch pushing on this imaginary brake or on this clutch because I had opened it up. Now, not me personally. I mean, I went and had someone do it and they're really very professional people. Catherine, this. I'm going to, I'm going to interrupt you because yes, you did open it up. The fact is this work is actually your work. Anybody who's working with you is there as your guide, but no any point. of this mind body work massage, all of these results, they actually come from us. Nobody can fix you. Right. And I'm not saying that's what you said, but in general, a really important thing is nobody can fix you. The only person who can quote fix us is ourselves. And beyond that, we don't need fixing because we were never broken. We get stuck in these sort of patterns and patterns can be changed. Oh, I agree. It was, it was remarkable. I'll never forget it. So talk to me about the program you just are in now, but you've mostly completed, I guess, the learning piece of it. Is that accurate? Yes. So I'm going to give you, I'm going to start with like a little background for it. Good. So a couple of years ago, let me, let me back up even a little bit farther. For years, because this goes along with what you were saying about your psychotherapist and his gym. My background is in psychology and special education. I got my degree in that. Then I went to massage school. I actually always thought I would go to grad school and use massage to pay my way through. And once I got into massage, massage school, I was like, oh my God, this is, this is what I'm meant to be. And I have this, this sort of, which I think sounds ridiculous, but this is literally how I experience the world. I have this knowing about things. Mm. I will run into things people is literally I will know it's not a conscious thing it's just simply like oh I know this is what I have to do that was actually how I ended up in massage school I had thought about it for a number of years I was on my bike in the middle of Pennsylvania doing a fundraising bike ride with 3,000 people somehow I'm alone in a group of 3,000 people on the road right and I was like oh I have to go to massage school now And that was in June, and I started in September at a school I had never seen because I also knew that was where I had to go. So this is like, these are little little bits of how my, you know, how my life and my brain works. I don't understand it. My daughter definitely doesn't understand it, and she's hilarious because she's always like, how do you know these things? (laughs) And so for years, I have said, you know, I'm a huge believer 
that just as you're talking about, we hold emotional stuff within our physical body. It's not uncommon to be working on people and they start to cry on the massage table, mm. right? People come in, you know, for years people have come in and they say to me like, I love your massage, but I also just love talking to you and I feel so much better after. And so I had considered going back to school and, you know, doing higher education in, in therapy or counseling or something similar. And I've always thought like, this would be this sort of incredible, similar to your friend, right? This, this incredible business model of offering basically therapy and massage. But there's a lot of ethical issues. There's a lot of complicated things that would come into that. Right. And so a couple of years ago, I ran across this body-mind coaching program, which was started by a woman named Laura Wick, who is one of the most like delightful and real and vivacious people I have ever met. And I saw, I think I actually saw like a video ad for it. And it was really funny because I'm a total, I'm, I have this, this super mix of like logic and woo, right? <laughs> and I watched her, you know, I watched her, her video ad essentially, right? Like her webinar thing. And I was like, man, what really bugs me about this is I know from a psychological standpoint, every piece of this that's designed to sell, but oh my God, I need this, right. <laughs> right? I was like, she's talking about what I've been saying for years and she's already done it. So I don't have to rebuild the wheel, right? Like right. I love to build things from scratch, but I don't want to build everything from scratch. I'm like, this woman already has this program. So I thought about it. I researched it. You know, I sort of thought about it and there was something in me that was like, now is not the time. Mm. And so I was like, okay, I'm just going to set this, you know, over here. I had a lot of other things going on in my life. I was like, I don't feel like I'm in a place where I could really give it what it and I deserved. Right. So I kind of set it aside. And then about a year ago, I was like, you know, I think I'm ready now. Right. Like it was just, again, that was, it was like, now's the time. So I went back, I refound the information. I, you know, reached out and immediately clicked with basically everybody I talked with in the program. And so I signed up for this body mind coach training. And it's this incredible program that really is about reigniting the conversation between the brain and the body. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's interesting because it's not counseling. It's not psychotherapy. I never claim to that that's what I do. And in fact, a client recently asked me, she was like, so what are we doing here, right? Or is this like, is this psych, are you acting as my psychotherapist? And I was like, no, mm -hmm. that's not my job at all. My job here, right? Like our conversations are really about helping, giving you the tools to recognize your patterns, right? And the neural pathways that we build, how and where you're feeling them in the body, figure out where you want to be, how you want to feel, and then giving you tools so that you can get there, right? It's literally about forward change. And it's just this incredible, it brought together 
literally everything that I love, right? And massage can be part of it, but it doesn't have to be part of the body-mind coaching. So I can do it with clients during our massage sessions, but here while we're all stuck at home, because I'll tell you, massage and physical distancing are not good bedfellows. (laughs) No. Right? That said, I am still working with clients doing the body-mind coaching, and I can help them embody these things in other ways. To me, massage is one way to really embody what we want to feel, right? right? Like where we're trying to get. And so at the moment, we can't do a lot of that. So be it. So we're using other tools, you know? We use meditation. You can use um, stretching, yoga, Mm -hmm. journaling, all these other kinds of things. And the incredible thing is, as people start to come to this conscious realization of what they're holding in their body and where and why. It's Mm. not even about why, it's just how it feels and how they want to feel. Then, as we express that and move like through it, forward, out of it, the muscles release on their own. Right. Right? Like it's this incredible, you hear a lot about the body, right? We hear a lot about the mind, right? We hear a lot about the body, like get massage, do exercise, get acupuncture, right? All these things to, to activate our body. Right. And then we hear about our mind, like go to therapy, you know, mindfulness, all of these kinds of things. And what we don't hear nearly so much about is how interconnected they are right. and how when you use them together, then we're really looking at that whole picture. That's when we're really addressing everything And that's where the biggest changes can come for people. I agree with that 100%. I mean, I've experienced it myself. Yeah. I mean, it's incredible. And when you do experience it, it truly is. And you can tell me, it's just this like, holy, I won't curse because I know you don't curse much on this, right? (laughs) Not real life. It's another story. (laughs) I'm trying to behave, but you know, it really is just, you know, it reminds me a little bit of like, you think you have some idea what being a parent will be like until you're actually a parent. And then you're like, whoa, I could never have predicted just how much this is. Right. And it's with that too. I can tell you, I can tell you whoever you are all day long, how this will help and how it will feel. But until you experience it, Right. right. Like that's, you know, it's again, experiencing it is literally the embodiment of it. And that's where so much change comes from. No question. I went through um, cancer treatments, as you know, chemo, mm-hmm. I don't know, four and a half years ago. And when I was going through it, the first thing I did was I asked a friend of mine who does Reiki, I said, I'm going to need to hire you, and it's going to be every, I'm making it up, Friday morning. I don't remember exactly which day it was, but it was two days or so, two days after chemo. And so what I would do is one of the people in my life who's in the healing world had created a um, meditation for me, and it was Mm -hmm. plug and play. Every time I went in and we started the chemo process, I'd pop my earphones in, my earbuds, and I would be listening to this meditation that was all about bringing the chemo in so it could heal Mm -hmm. and, you know, bringing it in and then we'd like, let it be in for two days. And then I would go have Reiki to get it the hell out. (laughs) I was like, out you go. Come in, do your thing and move out. (laughs) Exactly. And it was great energetically because what was happening was I was 
curing myself and healing myself by allowing the drugs to come in, not fighting them, which mm-hmm. is the key that I was told was don't fight the process. But then knowing that it wasn't really very good for you to have all these chemicals in you, using the Reiki energy to you know, cleanse, to make it feel less onerous. And, and what I love is at the hospital I was at, which is Norwalk Hospital, they have a Smilo Cancer Center, and they actually provide for, God, I think it was free. It might have been maybe $10. It was very, very low cost, if not free, acupuncture sessions. Mm-hmm. So I'd also go for acupuncture. And there was this whole mindset shift and while simultaneously taking care of my body while going through this. And that is, if that's not an awakening, what is? Right? Yeah. It was yeah. a pretty big deal. And then coming out of it, one of the first things they told me was, you have to exercise. And I said, but I have a gratitude practice and I'm not going to be able to do that. And then I thought, well, wait a minute. Who says I can't do gratitude while I walk? Uh-huh. So when I power walk after four and a half years, I'm still doing it. I'm out there and I'm like, look at this beautiful day. Aren't we blessed to have this gorgeous day? Oh my gosh, look at the flowers. You and I are both now, Mm -hmm. you've probably seen. I'm (laughs) suddenly taking all these photographs of flowers because we're so, insulated isn't the right word. We're so, I I hate to use isolated because it's so negative, but we're so sort of set in just our little neighborhoods that we have to find the joy in the small things that are just right here in our little unit. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And I mean, you know, I love to take walks myself. And one of my favorite activities is to take pictures of things that strike me as beautiful. Often it's flowers, not always. And then I even have an album on Facebook where I post them. And right. one of the hashtags I use is eyes up. And literally, it's because so often in our modern world right now, we walk around with our heads down, right? Like we're looking at a phone. Right. We're, you know, we're not paying attention. We're not looking at these little details. Like there's so much beauty around us in so many ways. And we are stuck in our own little, as you put it, our own little neighborhoods, Right which really, to broaden on that, is our own patterns. Right. And if we're mm. willing to step outside ourselves and pay attention to the world, there's so much incredible stuff. And it's a tremendous practice for me, particularly if I am in a crabby, grumpy mood, which like mm. everybody, you know, it happens. And right now it can happen more because people are so, feel so, I've referred to this as um, like our, for, our forced isolation, right? Mm-hmm. Like this isn't even isolation by choice for people. We've been told, and I don't know about you, Catherine, for me and most people I know, as soon as we're told to do something, right, our body reacts like we're being bullied. And what happens when we're being bullied? Immediately we go on the defensive and we're like, forget it. I don't have to do what you say right? So it's a great way to sort of move out of some of that and really like pay attention, right? You know, pay attention to something other than ourselves, pay attention to all that is out there. It's really like a mindset, you know, reboot. 
Right. I think one of the things you and I both picked up on very quickly and very early on, and I was calling it trauma and you were calling it grief, was this idea that we're all experiencing losses. I mean, I had my first one right out of the gate. We hadn't even shut down the country and we were supposed to be going to Florida on March 13th to see my parents, who I haven't seen since August. And I remember the weekend before, said I'd be around the 6th or 7th of March, just agonizing over what to do. Were, were my daughter and I going to get on a plane and fly to Florida to see them? Were we going to risk this? Were we going to put them at risk? Mm-hmm. And this was all before we had officially shut down and we right. had to make these decisions. So we had the hard hit loss right out of the gate. There was never a you know, uh, easing in <laughs> for no. any of us. But I think I've been more suited to being able to deal with this because I've already had to do it. I had to do it when I went through cancer. I couldn't spend yes. a lot of time with people. Now, I did get on a plane. I got on a plane twice. I deeply regret the first time I got on the plane because I got very sick. Um, I was still in the middle of chemo. But we went down and spent Christmas with my parents during that whole process. And it was good. It was fun. But I was sick the whole time. And that's, that's fine. It is what it is. It was a lesson learned. But, you know, the world is either grieving, in your words, or traumatized, in my world, words. And they're, they're, they have no idea how to deal with it. So when we see people out with signs saying, open up, I want to get my hair done, it's really about the fear they have of a way of life being turned upside down and they don't know how to, they don't know how to deal with it. They don't know where to put it. And I'm not saying I'm perfect. Please. I've had my moments where I've just been bawling like a baby. I walked by a dead squirrel and I was like, you know, like, and I'm not saying I wouldn't normally be sad about a dead squirrel, but the sadness I had for the dead squirrel was way beyond just a squirrel. And that was my grief coming up and the loss in it. And if you just recognize that and know and, and can give people grace for where they're at, because everybody is sort of at a different place in this grieving process, you know, it's, it's not linear, it's, you know, a lot of this, I think it's easier. It's, it's really interesting because American society, U.S. society really does not invite emotion. Right. We don't invite emotional expression. And so suddenly we have an entire country, many of whom do not have the tools to express or even understand what's going on in their body, right? right. Like what they're feeling or even that they're feeling. And it is showing up in these different ways, right? It's showing us as these sort of graspings for control, mm. right? Like, like a lot of the the protests and that type of thing, right? Like saying, oh, you can't make me wear a mask, you know, all these different ways. Like we're grasping for some sense of known and understanding. And the fact is, there's really nothing about this that makes any sense to anybody. No. Right? There's, if, there's no, it, it's lit, we are literally in this pool of unknown, right? We have bits of information, little pieces and pockets, but there's no definitive, there's not a lot of definitive understanding about the virus because it's new. Right. 
you know, there's not a lot of definitive understanding about what the timeline will look like. And we have become a society that is so centered on human doings rather than human beings that being told to stop is incredibly difficult. And I see that even in my massage practice, right? right? I wasn't kidding earlier when I said, I tell people their two jobs are to let me know how things are going and to not help. And not helping is probably going to be more difficult. Right. The idea of stopping and being and just, uh, is so foreign in U.S. culture. And particularly you and I are both on the East Coast, particularly our East Coast culture, right? right. Like literally, I'm in the D.C. area. Literally, the mentality here is if you're not working a 12-hour day, you're a slacker. Right. Right. It doesn't matter what you're doing, actually. And what it really is, is if you're not at your desk for 12 hours a day, nobody's actually working that whole time. There's oh, nothing no. actually productive about that. But all of these sort of feed into that almost closing down of being allowed to feel. You know, mm. we see this in many different ways. But when you don't have that, when you don't have the tools to even recognize that you are feeling that this is what feeling looks like. And it's nobody's fault. It's sort of this societal, right? Like right. it keeps going. It's not a blame thing. It's truly about when you come to this understanding that what you're experiencing in your entire body, right? Brain physically has this emotional piece, right? right? Like that's where you can start to come to acceptance and create change. Right. I agree with you. It's, it's, it's just absolutely crucial. And it's, I think what we're going to see is, God forbid, but I think it's going to happen is a mental health crisis. I think we already have one. And I think well, what that's true. See, I think what we're actually going to see is the realization that it exists. Right. Right. Because that's another piece that we love to sort of push. There's, I mean, there's been a big push. There's been a lot more about mental health in the past few years, right. sort of more awareness around it and more acceptance that like, you know, going to therapy doesn't make you weak, right? Like right. all of these sort of negative connotations that go around the idea that any brain that doesn't work the way it reminds me of women's clothes, right? You know how women's clothes are built for some average body that doesn't actually exist. Like, right. I don't know any woman who's really like, hey, I can really easily just pick anything off the rack and it fits me. Every woman I know is like, I have to try on 80 different things and I have right. to, you know, and I wear five different sizes and, <laughs> you know, and it's that same, it's that same kind of thing. Like, we look at mental health and emotion as like this kind of weird average of how people should be and nobody is that. Right. So instead of, I refer to it a lot as one of my big things is the idea of meeting people where they are, not mm. where we want them to be. And it's such a powerful concept and it's an easy concept or a simple concept, I should say, but it's not always easy because again, it's not the kind of thing that we're really encouraged to do, you know? And if you're, if you're not brought up in an environment where that's a norm, it's literally learning a new language. So many of these things we're talking about to me is about learning a new language, right? right. Like massage, letting your, letting your muscles release, 
doing things like body mind coaching, meditation, all of these are new languages. And we've hit this point where we're so into immediate gratification, mm-hmm. right? That we think like, okay, well, I'm stuck at home. So I'm going to start to meditate. Okay. I tried it for two minutes and I didn't get it. So that's not for me. And it's like, you wouldn't say, I'm going to France for a year, so I'm going to learn French. Well, I studied it for a day, and I don't know the language, so I'm done. That's a great analogy. We're literally learning a new language. We're teaching ourselves. As a society, we're learning a new language in the situation. Individually, we're learning the language of our body. And we can, and it's very possible, but it does require a willingness to stop and surrender and be vulnerable. And we all know that like Brene Brown is the queen of vulnerability. You know, if anybody hasn't read her stuff, she has some amazing things on vulnerability, but those are truly all parts of it. And again, those are things we are not invited to do. I mean, you hear too a lot about men and males and how they're supposed to be strong. And you hear it referred to that as a lot, but a lot of these same rules are applied to women or to all genders, right? Oh, yeah. I can remember being in Wall Street and in many ways being completely closed off from my emotions. Yeah. Because they weren't allowed. They weren't allowed. I had to be stronger, better, faster than everybody. Right. I was a woman. Do, 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 right? Right? And it's that's even, remember I I said said earlier, right? It's like thinking your feelings versus feeling your feelings. feelings. Yeah. So we're all thinking our feelings. We're like, I am sad. That is not good. I have to fix it. Instead of like, oh my God, this grief is big. And I'm just going to sit here for a minute. It goes back to, I'm trying to think exactly what you said before, but it reminded me of something that we talk about in body mind coaching, the idea of like gremlins, right? We have, we have these little gremlins that tell us all these little messages And our immediate reaction is when they come in and tell us, you know, like, oh, I'm going to do X. No, you can't do that. You can't do that. That's stupid. You're not good enough for that. You blah, 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 right? And generally, our immediate reaction is to be like, you, get out of here. Get out of here. I don't need you. If instead, we take the opportunity to like stop and pause and say, hey, guys, thanks so much for showing up. Let me give you a big hug. I am so glad you're here. I'm so happy to hear what you have to say. I so appreciate the fact that you want to protect me. Mm -hmm. And I got this. And I hear you. And I acknowledge you. And I've got this. I can do this. I get that you're here to protect me. And I love you. And I got this. And I'm going to do it. And you just watch what happens. Right? There's a book about that, and it's got gremlins in the title. I'm sure I there's not it's remember. A common, it's funny because it's oh, a it common, common. Sort of thing. In my, own, in my own life, we refer to it as Lori Brain. I have one friend in particular, that's what he dubbed it. He's like, is that Lori Brain speaking? Oh, hi, nice. hi. And he actually calls it LB. Hey, LB, <laughs> it's good to see you're here. <laughs> Nickname for your brain. He'll totally like call it out. And I'm like, oh yeah, LB's got all the things to say right now, right? And so then, right, even together, right, we'll sort of process it. But 
it's these ideas of like, you know, it, back to the embodiment. And I wish I could remember what you said earlier that totally sparked, you know, sparked that. But you were talking about the same thing. That's sort of like coming to acceptance and being right. like, okay, right? Like I've got this. It's feeling the feelings. It's, you know, being in yourself. It's that all of these things are not only okay, but honestly vital to not only our survival, but our thriving, right? Right. You can't thrive if you have literally cut off a piece of your being. No question. Maybe not literally because that implies something different, but piece oh, of goodness. your emotion. <laughs> not, not wishing any you know, cut off toes for anyone. No, because I know plenty of people who have lost limbs, et cetera, who thrive very well. But I can imagine. I can imagine. I'm sure when you're massaging people, you've seen it all. I see all kinds of things. And that's what I love. I love the building of community, right? Like I love, I mean, I love doing massage, mm. but what I, what I really love is the building of relationships, right. not only with the other people, but really guiding people and building that relationship and understanding with themselves. Like that is the stuff, you know, and the body speaks to me, but the body is speaking to me in a way that helps me then guide people in that building of the relationship. That's how I look at it. I have never said I fix people. In fact, on the facts on my website, I it saw literally that. says my job is not to fix you, right? That's that. not that the awesome. business I'm in. And people will come in and they're like, I just want you to fix me. And I have no problem saying to clients, <laughs> I can't like, that's not my job. Only right. you can fix you. What I can do is give you tools and guidance, you know, and understanding so that you can do that. But any of that change has to come from within you. I think that's an amazing way to describe it. Yeah. All right. Where can people find you? Easiest way to find me is my website, cloud10massage.com. It's C-L-O-U-D-1-0, massage.com. And I'm easily contacted through there. There's information on massage, which is, of course, local. But the great thing is I can do the body-mind coaching anywhere in the country or world, right? Like I can help people embody that stuff from anywhere, which is truly a gift at the moment. And then I'm getting ready to start a five-day I'm calling it VIP Evolution Program. And in this case, VIP stands for Virtual Isolation Perspective. So the idea is these little mini programs, five days as we are all trying to adapt, feeling disconnected, stressed and overwhelmed, right? Like I don't know anybody who is not stressed and overwhelmed mm -hmm. as we're all dealing with this sort of short burst of working together in these small groups, no more than 10 people with various tools to really to sort of help shift the perspective and move into some of these things you and I were talking about, like even as we go for our walks, right? Like right. these little things we can do to shift our perspectives and put our bodies in a calmer, more peaceful, happier, and with all of that comes more relaxed state. Sounds great to me. Thank you yeah. so much for coming on. Thank I you. found this incredibly helpful and I'm sure our audience will too. Be well, Lori. Thank you. You too. You've been listening to the Uncluttered Office Podcast. 
available on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and www.productivitybydesign.com. I'm your host, Katherine Avery. If you like what you've heard, please share this episode with someone you think needs it. I would love for you to leave a review on your favorite podcast platform. Your reviews make my heart sing and can help even more people find the gifts in their productivity challenges. Thanks for listening and see you next week. This podcast is part of the Sound Advice FM network. Sound Advice FM. Women's voices amplified.